The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things, I'd just like to give our listeners a gentle reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, we have not one, not two, but three special guests appearing on this week's podcast. First up, we'll be hearing from former Cork footballer Holly O'Sullivan, who joined Cork or who joined Kieran, sorry, to chat about the small matter of an All-Ireland quarterfinal against Derry this weekend. Holly's great whenever we have him on, and while Cork have been brilliant so far in the championship, he still says there's room for improvement, so bring on Sunday is what I'll say. Later on then, we'll be joined by the Drina Rangers management dream team of Don Hurley and Declan DC. The pair have led Drina to unprecedented success in the West Cork League over their 22-year reign, but they're stepping away from next season on, so they're joining the podcast to reflect on their time in charge and on West Cork soccer in general. However, before we get to those, there's still plenty happening elsewhere in West Cork sport. And Kieran, let's start with a story that we've been covering for weeks now, and that is the dual player situation for Camogie and ladies footballers. We've been speculating on whether or not the Camogie Association and the LGFA would find a resolution to the fixture clashes, but perhaps to nobody's surprise, they haven't. Um, you're you're dead right, Dylan. There has been no resolution, so. We will have a third fixture clash in what the space of two months this Saturday. So that means that, excuse me, the Cork ladies footballers are taking on Tipperary in Clannacilty at two o'clock, while at three o'clock in Innes, the Cork Camogie team is taking on Clare. And they're both final round games in the round robin stage of their respective All Ireland Championships. Both Cork teams need to win or need to avoid defeat to progress. So they're really, really important games because defeat for either will spell the end of their All-Ireland um, ca- uh, campaign this season. So you can understand why both management teams really want all their players for, for games like this. But unfortunately, because we haven't got a resolution, because common sense wasn't, wasn't tapped into or because the two associations co- couldn't come to an agreement for whatever reason, now we have the another clash. So we have four dual uh, players here in Cork. Libby Carpenter, Hannah Looney, Eva Healy and Orla Cahillan. Unfortunately, Orla is injured at the moment, so she's not supposed to part of the conversation for this weekend. But those other three players, they will now have to be split up for the weekend. Um, that decision has been made, but we won't, we won't know what it is until later in the in the week. So whether it's Libby with the Camogie team and Hannah and Aoife with the football team or vice versa or whatever way they want to mix and match the players, they will be split up. And that's not ideal at all because 
we saw on Sunday night, and it was true to Southern Star, that the Cork Ladies Football and and Camogie panels released a joint statement. They they their plea was, please don't force these players into having to make a decision. But that's exactly what happened. That was like a I suppose kind of last resort in a way, Dylan, when the when the that joint statement came out. The Cork Ladies football team, the Camogie team, were trying to highlight this as much as as much as they possibly could. Huge game for both teams, but players will miss out, and they were trying to bang that drum. And they, they did create noise, picked up by a load of media organisations, a lot of chatter on social media about it as well. But unfortunately, there is no white smoke, and both games are going ahead as previously scheduled. So again, it's the dual players caught in the middle. Of course, this like also is happening with the backdrop of the ongoing protest that these players are, are part of as well. So um, we saw at the weekend, like um, teams across the country taking part in sit-down protests before games. And it kind of seems like the, the sport's in a little bit of a strange situation at the moment where players are, are obviously not happy with, with how things are going. And it kind of, I don't know about you, but it, it maybe would be a little bit refreshing if some of the the male counterparts were to to come out and and at least voice some some support for the players because obviously um now with the dual player situation there are no dual players in, in men's uh GA anymore maybe that's where the women's game is going as well but maybe maybe that's something that that could help add an extra voice to the, to the uh conversation. That's it. Almost kind of amplify what what yeah. the ladies are are trying to say. And um, it's actually interesting because I noticed on my my Twitter account, I think it was Tuesday, um, in the space of a couple of minutes, four or five current senior Cork footballers retweeted a tweet we put out on Sunday night, kind of highlighting the 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 statement that the Cork ladies and Camogie teams put out. So I found that refreshing that the the lads yeah. obviously they have a huge game coming up the this weekend, but they took time out to. To kind of share this message with their with their own followers on, on social media, so so that was a step in that direction. But like like you said, it would be great if if even let's say the, the the men's county board or something like that or the players just stood up for the and just helped the, the Cork ladies and um, footballers and Camogie get their message across because it's like they're they're shouting into the wind at the moment because they're it's just not being heard. It's not being heard by by the by the various associations. Um, I know they're all, was... they're all um represented by the same the GPA represent everyone now as well. So you'd think there might be a little bit of, of room there as well. You'd wonder though, and this is just me speculating, like if the if the associations are really bothered by dual players, if if they'd yeah. be happy in a sense that if the dual players would just kind of drift off into extinction, like it's almost happened at the the senior intercounty men's game, you know, would would life be a lot easier for the organizations if they didn't have the headache of these dual player dilemmas um propping up every year. Again, that that's just me speculating. Maybe that the maybe both associations, the LGFA and the Camogie Association, really do care about the dual players and really want to kind of protect this tradition. But from what we've seen in the last couple of months, that just doesn't seem to be the case. You know, kind of like whatever about this weekend and not moving the games because the various associations want the games because their final round games they want them to be played at the same time because it feeds into draws and, and 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 so on after the last fixture clash was nuts like that was that was the when they pick up hopped into the car after playing the full game for the Cork Camogie team in Parky Cueve and went up to the Salt Hill that evening came on as a second half sub for the Cork footballers and why that is nuts is the weekend before was free the Sunday after those games was free and the weekend after was free 
yet nobody, those fixture makers just couldn't come together and say, let's move one of those games, you know? So it's just, um, they're making life awkward for, for dual players. And it's such a shame because dual players and Cork are such a great tradition. And we actually have a piece by Tom Lyons in Thursday's Southern Star where he charts the history of dual players in Cork and explains just why it's so important in this county, why dual players have played such an important part of the GA story in, in Cork for Jesus going back 50, 60, 70, 80 years. He goes back to when they kind of killed teams in the 1940s and 50s. And Tom even goes back, Dylan, to the to the birth of the GA and, and how a dual player came to be in, in, in the first place. So it's a really interesting read. And what the current dual players are trying to do um, as, as well as play for both counties at the top level, they're protecting a great tradition here in Cork because the reality is when it's gone, it's gone and it's not going to come back. So they're really trying to safeguard and cling on to that their dual player status because, like I said, when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, only time will tell there. I'm sure we'll be talking about it on podcasts in the weeks and months to come. Another story we've covered a lot on the podcast in recent weeks and months is the ongoing rugby boom in West Cork. And last week we got wind of, I don't know, can you call it a big transfer? I'm not sure if transfer is the right word, but a big transfer for Bandon Rugby. With uh, Reggie Sonne, is that the right pronunciation, joining? That's that's what I called him when he was here, Regis Sonne. So unless I butchered his name, which I, I've been known to do, that's what I'm going to continue to call him until I'm corrected. So he's joining um, from, he's a, a former Toulouse and uh, Spain coach, um, a huge, huge uh, figure in the rugby world. And he's joining um, Bandon Rugby and Bandon Grammar in kind of a dual role as a technical director. That's correct, yeah? Yeah, so it's big news for, for both the grammar school and for, for Bandon Rugby. Regis was here before for two years, between 2016 and 2018. And anyone who worked with him or came across him during his time in West Cork had only really positive and good things to say about him. He has an incredible coaching CV. Um, when he came to, to, to Bandon first day, he was a former Spanish uh, national men's team coach. He played in the top 14 in France with a couple of teams. He he, he was a forward coach with Bordeaux. Um, so he really... Like he's he's top class. Like he's a really highly rated coach, kind of in in rugby circles. So for Bendham to get him first day, it was a was a big coup. And um, he left Bendham in twenty eighteen to move back to Toulouse. He got involved with the Toulouse um, uh, coaching setup again. But here we are, five years on, and the stars have aligned. And Regis is coming back to West Cork. So we've a piece in Thursday Southern Star where I chat to Dan Murphy of Bendham Rugby Club, where he fills me in. On, on I suppose the background to this story and getting with Regis back in. So Regis will work as an underage um di director of underage rugby with Bandon Rugby Club and he's going to work with the grammar school as well in a technical director role. So he's basically working with the with with the, the, the young players in both the grammar school and the, the rugby club. So it, it is big news for um for West Cork rugby to have a man if he's ilk back here again and the fact that he wanted to come back. And I think that almost speaks volumes, Dylan, for just the attraction of West Cork. Because from what I was told is Regis really loved the fact that when he's based in Bandon or around Bandon, he's 20 minutes from surfing. He's 20 minutes from the mountains. He's 20 minutes from, from the city. He loves the West Cork people. And that's always, and I was speaking to him over the years, he just really, really enjoyed his time here. I tracked him down in France in two years ago 
for a, a big 16 page rugby special we did in the Southern Star. And he was saying, telling me that he still considers himself a West Cork man, which is incredible. Um, West Cork really left its mark on Regis, and it's great news he's coming back. And it's great news for, for both the Bandit Rugby Club and the Grammar School. But I think it's just great for the region in general because you're bringing a man of that talent back into the region. Yeah, some of that pedigree, it's like the like we have the, the Drina Rangers lads on later. It's like the equivalent of a, a Man United or Liverpool coach coming over to be their technical director. Like it is, he is that kind of uh, held in that high regard. So it is it is great uh, for them, absolutely. Um, moving on then to, to some local GAA, Carberry Rangers will play in Division One County League football next year after triumphing in their must-win game at home to kill Lamarcha. Kieran, they ran it close going to the final day, but they got over the line in the end. Yeah, it was squeaky bum time for Carby Rangers last Friday night at home, uh, at home against Kilimanjaro. They knew it was a game that they, they had to avoid defeat. So the best way to avoid defeat is to win, um, and they did just that. So they went down to the final day of the season, and the end result is that Carby Rangers got the win they needed, and they safeguarded their Division One status for twenty twenty four. Which, which is important for, for Seamus Hayes' side uh, because they have a lot of young players there and by being exposed to the to the Nemos and the Bars and the Havens and all, all those top teams, that can only be good for the progression and development of, of those young players. So it is good news. It's very good news for Carberry Rangers that, they are, um, that they're going to be in Division 1 again next year. And we know that Newcestown, they're one of the, the local clubs who will be up there um, with them, Newcestown won promotion from Division 2. I'm just going to quickly, Dylan, I'm trying to bring it up here. There's a couple of league finals on this, this weekend, and just to mention the West Cork teams in action. So, Newcestown, who I mentioned there, they're playing Carrigaline in the Division 2 Football League County Final on Saturday in Brinney at 7.30pm, while on Friday night, Donnie's are taking on Knocknagree in McCroom in the Division 3 Football League Final and that's a 7.30pm throw in in McCroom. So that's two West Cork teams in County League Finals this weekend. So Don is already going up to Division 2 and we'll have Newcastle up in Division 1 along with Carby Rangers and Castlehaven next season. Great stuff for them. We're going to take a quick break now and when we come back we'll be hearing from Holly O'Sullivan on this weekend's big game up in Croke Park. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And now it's time for our first guest of the week, and that is former Cork footballer, Holio Sullivan. Kieran, you caught up with him to chat about not only Cork's great win against Roscommon, which we haven't mentioned yet on the podcast, but this weekend's uh, huge quarterfinal against Derry. How did Holly see things panning out there? Yeah, huge game on Sunday. So 145 on Sunday in Croke Park. It's Cork against Derry in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. And the good news for Cork fans who aren't travelling, it's on TV, Dylan. We don't on have to make it wrong. No, I was just saying we don't have to mess around with that GA gore or any of that any of that nonsense, if you want to put it that way. So we're we're one of the lucky ones. So we'll we'll travel up to Croke Park on, on Sunday to see how the Cork footballers get on. Huge game. Cork are trying to get through to their first All-Ireland semi-final since 2012, while Derry are a team who wore the All-Ireland semi-final last year. 
They're Ulster champions again this year. They're Division Two champions. So this is the biggest test of the season so far for John Cleary's men. But Cork are going to go in. Uh, they've momentum behind them, Dylan. Beat Mayo the weekend before last. Beat Roscommon last weekend. So that's back-to-back wins against Division One teams. So Cork will be high in confidence going into this. There, I suppose there has been a bit of, um, I suppose, damage along the way. It's been a, or if you want to call it, attrition. Um, some of the Cork footballers are are carrying knocks and niggles. So we're waiting to see, will Brian Hurley recover from his hamstring injury to line out on Sunday? Luke Fahey is another injury doubt. Rory Dean from Bantry Blues came off again last weekend against Roscommon. But the, the news on him is looking more positive. It's, it was that neck shoulder injury that he'd suffered against against um, Mayo the week before. But all the signs are that Rory Touchwood should be fit. So huge game for the Cork footballers. One game away from an All-Ireland semi-final. And you'll hear from Holly O'Sullivan now. He's optimistic that the Rebels can get the job done. But a lot needs to go right. Well, Holly, here we are the Monday before the All-Ireland quarterfinals. And we're talking about a Cork team that was in the last eight draw that is true to the big weekend in Croke Park. So Tomas O'Shea said it on the Sunday game on Sunday night that Cork have turned the have turned a corner. Would you go along with that assertion? Um I, I would definitely say so. Um like if you take 12 months ago and in the space of that 12 months, you know, we traveled to Crow Park last year to play Dublin in a quarter final and it was damage limitation even before you went. You know, you were after taking a trouncing off carry. You would play, I think it was Loud and Limerick in the lead up to that game. You know, poor quality teams. The team or the group weren't in the same position that they are now. Um, you know, you you had a far more convincing league campaign this year, even though there were a couple of blips in it, let's say the Mead game. And, you know, you could have beaten Derry, who were now playing. You could have beaten Dublin. You know, you were, so you were showing that there was, there was, uh, there was that, Improvement that had happened in the in the intervening in the, in the intervening time, you know, fitness levels have improved hugely, and you know these games and you know even thinking back like the last day when Brian Hurley didn't line up, the first thing that came into our heads was, are, are we going to be back in this again? Sorry, I put the dogs down. <laughs> are we going to be back in this again? Um, ah, uh, a very excited Cork fan. There's two seconds. There's a car group. Yeah. But like it, it, it kind of had the feel of are you going to be back in this again? There was that feeling of deja vu. Hurley is out. Where the score is going to come from, you know? But that 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 was never going to happen again. I think I think that uh, that game in Innes could have been the best thing that ever happened to this group because it seemed to really steal them and bring them together. And you know, like Sherlock came in and did a far better fit from all the others. Um, you know, you take the first fifty minutes for what it was. It was very very poor. But then you know they turned the corner before halftime, got the few scores, came out reinvigorated. You know, went ahead, but then there's a learning there as well. They probably set back that two spoon and invited Ross Common on and could have ended up losing the game, but had the wherewithal and the, the fortitude to engineer that final score decline. So look, I think we're we're, we're going to Crow Park this time with belief and a genuine chance that we can beat Derry rather than going in fear and you know hoping to control the scoreboard like we did last year. <laughs> Like you said there, Holly, when Cork lined up to Croke Park um, this weekend, it's in a far different position to, to 12 months ago. After beating two Division One teams in a row for the first time, I think someone said since um, 2013 or 14 years, I think, in that length of time. But not only that, but... Uh, I think 12, 12 years was mentioned. 
Yeah, like, and but not only that, Holly. The fact, like, even John Cleary saying the group was a lot fitter this year. You can see now that the team is able to to last seventy minutes. Rewind to last year, the Munster semi final against Kerry and that All Ireland quarter final against Dublin up in Croke Park. In the second half, Cork faded in both. What we've seen in the last couple of games is Cork are coming strong in the last quarter and they're able to get get the winning scores. So there's so many signs and reasons for optimism for for Cork fans ahead of this weekend. But before we look back in the game uh, uh, last weekend, just to get your thoughts on the draw, when you saw it's Cork and Derry this weekend, what was your what was your first reaction? Well, my 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 initial thought would have been that I'd like to have had Armagh because I would have seen Armagh as the kind of lesser of the three and it would have been the best draw for Cork and it would have been a good step in their aggression and you would have had a, you know, I'd have seen that as your major chance of getting into an Ireland semi-final. Not that I don't think that Cork can beat Derry, but I suppose, you know, the last two games, Kevin Walsh's familiarity with Mayo and and uh, and Ross Common probably has played a huge part in Cork's performances against those two teams. And look, there's familiarity there now again because you've played, you're familiar with Derry, you've played in the last two years in the, the National League. You know, we've seen an awful lot of them. They were at the business end last year. They looked like they're one of the farm teams this year that are going to be all-earning contenders. But that reality is not as if we're going in, you know, with, 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 with our eyes closed and, and, and haven't any experience of what we're going to be playing. We've already seen these fellas this year in, in Parky Creven know what they're capable of. And I think even even between that time and this, I think Cork have improved an awful lot. And the good thing about it is there's still a huge amount of room for improvement um, that we could take from the game last Sunday. I was just looking at some of Derry's results there. They, they topped Group 4 of the round-robin stage, um, beat Donegal, beat Clare, drew with Monaghan in their opener, go back to the Ulster Championship, and they came through against Armagh in um, in an epic Ulster, Ulster final. And like you said, Holly, last year, All-Ireland uh, semi-finalist as well. So they're very much a, a team that's been coming the last couple of years. What do you think the big danger about this Derry team is for Cork? Well, I suppose we, we've seen the last two years and no Cork have improved, but Derry's physicality and fitness levels were far ahead of where Cork were. Um, and I know that Cork drew with them in the league, but you know, like at one stage, Derry were seven up and left Cork back into it to to, to equalise. Um, but for long stages in that game earlier on the year, they were far superior to Cork. You know, they have some fantastic players. You know, you have Connor Glass and Rogers in the middle of the field. You know, O'Callaghan and Maguire are going to be have to, have to be at their absolute best to break 50-50 there. Uh, Chrissy McKagan, their back line, McKinless, you know, up front, uh, McGuigan and, and Ethan Darty. You know, they're, they, they, they look a little bit further down the line than Cork at the moment, but you'll be hoping that, you know, Cork have so much room for improvement, even from the Ross Common game, that they can be very close or even get over the line with this one. Looking back, so in the Ross Common game on Saturday, big result for Cork, in front of almost 15,000 fans in Parky Cueve. It was a game Cork were down four points in the first half, went up five points in the second half, then Ross Common hauled themselves level and we had that late winner by by Kevin O'Donovan. But what's the what's the big positive that you took out of this game, Holly? Well, I suppose, you know, we we, we, have, we have to remember as well that, you know, you, you've developed huge consistency. And I suppose we were talking a while ago about the difference between Cork last year and Cork this year. We, we have to remember that Daniel O'Mahony didn't play last year, Tommy Walsh didn't play last year, Luke Fahey didn't play last year, Brian O'Driscoll or Rory Dean. That's a third of your team. No, and all these fellas are major players over the last three or, three or four games for Cork now. So, like th- th- those that 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 third of the team, 
has meant such an improvement because like those five guys bring such physicality, such running ability and such power and football ability, obviously, to the team. You know, that that, that has made a huge difference. And if they've like even in that short intervening amount of time, like we always said that you had Maguire and you had Powder were kind of the two natural leaders on the Cork team. But like you'd have to say after the last two games, there are leaders, if not numerous leaders, in every line of the pitch. You know, you saw Tommy Walsh's point before halftime at the outside of the right that not alone brought the team into the game, it brought the whole crowd in the stadium into the game. You know, Maguire, Rory Maguire's two points after halftime. You know, like he's showing unbelievable leadership this year at vital times in games. Um, you know, Brian O'Driscoll was man of the match for me. I don't know if he get the overall man of the match or not, but his work rate was absolutely savage and the physicality he brings to the game. So look, like there were first twenty minutes was terrible. We looked better we looked better without the ball than we did with it. In other words, our defensive structure was was very good, but then we were turning it over and the play and taking the ball into the tackle and you know, taking poor uh, decisions and shots. And, you know, we were letting Ross Common dictate the game. After halftime, we pressed on the kick out, got the reward, Carver got the goal, we went five up, and all of a sudden you could even see the signal on the field or whatever it came from the bench, we retreated, invited Ross Common on, they got the five back. And, you know, in the end, we were probably lucky that uh, I think it was Connor Daly, you know, overcarried and we got the free out and, and Maguire and, uh, and Potter managed to, Get, get Kevin O'Donovan in for the fisted winner. So look, there, there's so much there they can improve on. You know, the first 20, 25 minutes, terrible. You know, we saw more variety on Cox's long kick out, which we hadn't seen. You know, it was long and left all year. You know, it was far more varied when they went long uh, the last day. So, you know, there's there, there's there's heaps of improvement and, and, and the belief and confidence that they're going to get from another win over a big team. You know, that's going to play a huge part as well. For the development of this Cork team, to beat Mayo in the Greater Gowns the weekend before last, to beat Roscommon at home last weekend, two Division One teams, and John Cleary spoke about it in, in, in the Star last week, that I suppose we have to wait and see how much these wins will benefit this Cork team and take them further along the road. But now Cork are, are winning games against Division One teams. They're eking out different ways to win. Like against Mayo, came back 1-6 in, in the final quarter, against Roscommon the last day, it was an injury time point. So we're seeing this Cork team is learning different ways to win as well, which is probably important, Holly, as, 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 they, as, as they keep developing. Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, like, cl- cl- close encounters bring, bring, bring a team together. And if you get out the other end of close encounters, you know, it has a great gelling effect and it instills huge belief in the, in, in the camp. And, you know, you, could, you can imagine, you know, people complain about the games coming thick and fast weekend after weekend. The Cork squad and the Cork dressing room must be a, a a wonderful place to be at the moment. You know, after those two big wins, getting back into training and well, they're probably on a recovery session on Sunday, but getting back into training on on Tuesday or Wednesday night, you know, instantly having to prepare for the next game, knowing it's going to be another huge game, knowing you're in a good place, knowing you're in extremely good condition. You know, if and I suppose the the one worry is will Hurley make it the next day? Will Luke Fahey make it the next day? You know, how fit was Rory Dean going into the game the last day? I suppose that's the other that's the other side of, of the games coming thick and fast. But then you look to have uh, your, your your panel look strong as well because what's happening coming off the bench has been extremely beneficial also. You know, where you've got one five off the bench um against uh, Mayo and you've got one three the last day off the bench. And you know, you'll be hoping also that Connor Carbert, who was an extremely promising minor and under under twenty player. You know, that that goal the last day would be the boost in confidence he needs to start showing that level of 
you know that 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 level of uh, of, of ability that he has that that will make him a top class senior now. You mentioned there about Brian Hurley. Obviously, he was out injured uh, against Roscommon. We don't know whether he'll be back or not for for Derry this weekend. But for Cork to do what they did and to win a game without without their captain, without their I suppose the top forward of the last couple of years, that's probably another encouraging sign that other fellas have stepped up. And Paulie, this is also a Cork team. We don't have Cotton Mahoney either. So we saw Sherlock the last year. You said like Carbert off the bench. We saw a, a, a lot of scores from Rory Maguire, Tommy Walsh, and, and lads like this. So we're getting scores from everywhere. But to win a game without Brian Hurley, again, it's probably probably important for the group. Well, it's definitely important for the group. But, you know, like, Hur- Hur- Hurley is a very important player. But you know he's he I'd say he's been he's been struggling for a while with the, these injuries that he's been carrying now because you you could see in the Mayo game when when Mayo got on top after halftime and O'Hara was marked game and O'Hara started to take off and Brian Hurley was at that stage whether he had picked somebody up or not he was starting to struggle to follow him and you know the question was would John Cleary hold Sherlock again or would he start him and I suppose you know he had he had no choice but to start him and sure Sherlock first touched left foot over the bar do you know what I mean like he did his job as the lone ranger up front. And like I suppose, if you if if you look at it really, like Carter playing, they're playing six backs. Then you have your two midfielders and probably five of the forwards. You know, they're they're probably midfielders or half hours as well. So like you're playing six, seven, one as such. Do you know what I mean? So like that that one guy up front who was Sherlock the last day is extremely important. But I think Carbert, you know, if if Car- Carbert can get 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 his belief and confidence up, he could play a huge part considering Kyle Manny isn't there either. You know, so. The scores are coming from different parts of the field and it's showing great, great confidence from the likes of uh, Tommy Walsh and Rory McGuire and these boys. But then, you know, there, there was a, a huge amount of wastefulness there in the first half the last day as well. You saw the shot from Killian O'Hanlon and Brian O'Driscoll had a poor shot. Luke Fahey had a poor shot. You know, Rory Dean got turned over three times there in the first half, taking the ball into the tackle. You know, like, like there's, we're doing very, very well, but there's still so many things we can do better that it makes it exciting going into the dairy game. You mentioned earlier, Holly, about Brian O'Driscoll. You gave him your, your man of the match. He was immense the last day against Roscommon. And John Cleary was chatting about him after to, to the media. And he was saying that, that Brian is now starting to fulfil that potential that he had as an under-21. There was last year's for Brian, the last, the last three or four years, when he wasn't involved with with the with the, the senior squad. But Cleary has, has brought him back. And he's re- repaying Cleary now with his performances what have you made of, of Brian the last couple of days, a couple of couple of games, and what do you think that, that he brings to this team? Well, I suppose the, the first time I got up close and personal with Brian O'Driscoll, apart from playing against him way back in the day, was uh, when I was with Cabri last year. And look, he's 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 a phenomenal athlete and and a, and a phenomenal leader. You know, it was the the first real taste of why you know you get to know him in the dressing room, you get to know him outside the dressing room, your training and all the rest of it. You know, it was the first real uh, sense of him that I got and. Look, he's he's in unbelievable shape. You know, he a lot, a lot of people think that he's far older than what he is because he's been around for so long. He played for four years under twenty one. Like you know, he 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 played he played um under twenty one the same year as he was minor. So like a lot of people think that he's on the thirty mark and over, but he's actually in his in his absolute prime and he's in absolute prime condition. And like there's there's even more in him. Like he was signed with Cabri last year. You know. A lot of his playing in the league and in the early stages of the championship, I would consider it nearly as cagey from his own point of view. You know, he has a lot more ability to kick points from distance. His foot passing ability, there's more there. But like his his GPS stats and his ability to cover the field, 
no, I'd love to see them because it must be it must be up there with the best on the Cox squad and, and and up there with anybody in the country. I'd say at the moment, and his his physicality, his ability to cover the pitch, his ability to link up the play. He can score. He can defend like you saw. Um, I think it was the very last play, the last thing when Ross Common was pushing for for the equaliser after after Cox getting the point. Not as Odriscoll did the interception back in the right cornerback position. So like he was still going at full tilt at what 75, 76 minutes. You know, which is a testament to himself, considering he had been out of it for three or four years. And the talk is always there that it takes two or three years to get up to the level of fitness to play at county. It was just a mark of the man and how well he minds himself that he was instantly able to go in and be at the level and be ready to play for Cork. Switching it back, so to this weekend, Cork Derry. What do you think Cork need to improve to have a chance of taking Derry down? Well, if they do what they did in the first 20 minutes again, Derry will punish Cork far more than Ross Common did. Like Ross Common were probably, considering they were so much on top, they were probably too patient in what they were trying to do. They could have put Cork to the sword far more comprehensively in that first 25, 30 minutes. Um, you know, Cork, Cork probably only created one goal chance. You know, you know, you had the hand pass that went across to Maguire. I can't remember who gave that hand pass in the first half again. The one that went over Maguire's head. That was the only other half chance. You know, I suppose you did have... Chris Og Jones mispicked up a ball that went over for a wide ball. That was probably another half goal chance, but Carver's one was probably the, the one main chance, and we had been creating far more goal chances than that, and we will need goal chances against Derry. The game management in the last 10 minutes, I would say, was questionable, considering that the high press and the kick out had worked so well, and you were in full control of the game. And Cork retreated, invited Ross Common on, and almost lost the game as a result. It was far too early to retreat. You know, there were still 10, 12, 13 minutes on the clock. We were in control of the game. We could have pushed on from five points. Um, you'll be happy if Hurley is fit that he'll bring an extra bonus to it. Um, if Luke Fahey isn't fit, will you see the will you see the likes of Tom Clancy Clan coming in, who play, actually played very well when he when he came on the last day and, and, and looked very comfortable? So look, I I, I think Cocker go up there with absolutely no fear and go up there to have a serious cut-off dairy. And I would not be one bit surprised if this went down to the wire again and Cork came out the right side. Fantastic. That's the that's the hope we all share, Holly, that Cork came out the right side this weekend. Thanks for joining us. No problem. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. It's good as always to hear from Holly O'Sullivan. And Kieran, just quickly before we move on, I want to put you on the spot with a prediction for this weekend. How do you see things panning out? I have to go to Corquin, don't we, Dylan? You know, we kind of our, we're buoyed by confidence after the last two, two, two victories against Mayo and Roscommon. So I'm back in Cork to make it three big scalps in a row. It's, it's going to be hard. Jesus, like you can't say... It's not going to be a difficult game for Cork because Derry will go in his favourites. All the signs point to a Derry win. But it's just something different about this Cork team in the, in the last couple of games. They're finding different ways to win. They're showing character. They're showing resilience. John Cleary wanted them to make the right decisions in the big moments of games. And they're doing that now. They'll, they'll be up against it. But hopefully we'll get a big Cork crowd up there. And I'm I'm hoping and I'm I'm back in the Rebels to, to get us through to an All-Ireland semi-final. And the bandwagon will roll on for another couple of weeks. That sounds good to me. I'll uh, I'll jump on board that bandwagon, no problem at all. Now we're going to hear um, just now from Drina Rangers management dream team. That's Don Hurley and Declan DC. 
We mentioned earlier they've led uh, Drina to numerous West Cork League titles and, and many um, trophies over their 22-year reign. But Kieran, you caught up with them as they're stepping away next season, much to the delight of the rest of the league, I'm sure. Uh, these two, Don and Declan, what they've achieved is between the Rangers joint managers is incredible. Like you said, they're dealing 22 years at the Hillam and 11 Premier Division crowns in that in that time, four Beamish Cups, and there's a load more besides that as well. So that's almost quarter of a century that the two lads have been in charge of the Drina Rangers team, but they, they feel that now is a time to step aside and hand the reins over to the other coaches in the club. But the good news for everyone in West Cork soccer is that Don and Declan are still heavily involved in so many other aspects of, of local soccer that they're they're not going away from that. So, um, like uh, Declan DC is the chairperson or the chairman of the West Cork Schoolboys and Schoolgirls League. Don is the chairman of Drina Rangers Club, and he's also involved in the Kennedy Cup and the underage coaching. So there's so much more that these two, two um these two men are involved in. So it's great that West Cork soccer can pick and their their brains, experience, and knowledge for foreseeable future. But as for Drina Rangers in charge of the, the, the other team, they're stepping back. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think. Um, and they kind of talk about it soon and we'll hear from them that they think that there's, just because they're stepping away, that it's not going to mean that Drina are going to fall away. Um, and that's probably true. You can't see Drina just, they've been so dominant. They're Trina Road, Premier Division champions. But it will be a change. It'll be a different voice for the players. There's nearly every player in that team, well, obviously every player in that team has only heard Don and Declan as yeah. their manager, so it'll be a bit unusual going into next season. But Trina are a incredible um, outfit, an incredible club when it comes to to soccer, and they're just they just guarantee success. Their consistency is incredible, um, but they'll have to plan for next year without the without the two great men, Don and Declan. And as you'll hear now, that they're in they're in great form. Looking forward to all that spare time on Sunday mornings when they won't have to walk the pitch to see if it's playable or not. Before, lads, we, we chat about the incredible time you had in Drina Rangers. Um, take me back to this decision. Why have you decided now is the time to step back as, as manager of the of the club's senior team? Um, um, well, I think... Go on, Deck. Yeah, work on, yeah. Work on, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry. I suppose the time seemed right. I suppose, really... We had looked at this previously five or six years ago, and we more or less said we weren't giving up as such, but uh, no one really came forward to uh, take it over, so we ended up going back into it again. But having, and in the meantime, I suppose, our club has developed and more coaches have come online as they finish playing careers and all that. Like five or six years makes a big difference in, in a playing career, especially. So there's a lot of lads who have retired in the last few years and given up serious playing of the game and have taken up coaching and are, are in a position, I think, to, to take it as well as that. From a club point of view, I would say uh, for a club to develop the same faces can't be doing the same things all the time. So the change is good, uh, especially when you have new younger people coming in with new ideas and um, the change is good as the rest, as they say. Don, just to take up what Declan said there about he, if he knows the time is right to hand the, the reins over to the next generation of coaches, um, 
But still, how hard is it to hand those reins over, considering you've been in charge of the of the team for so long and you've such success and you've success right up to, to, to this season this season as well. You just completed the, the three in a row. So okay, you felt the time is right, but I, I still presume it was a tough decision for you to make. Uh yeah, absolutely. Of course it was a tough decision because um I suppose it's something we've been doing for over 20 years, I suppose. And it's hard to imagine not spending the winter going to matches and um, being on the side then and things like that. But as Declan said, I suppose everything comes to an end eventually and there are other people there. And um, as well as that, I think um, we've probably, both of us, I think, came to the conclusion that we've done as much as we can. And then um, it is, it's absolutely going to be hard because it's going to be hard as well. Like we've built relationships with players and and parents and supporters and whatever else over the time and I suppose I'm kind of looking forward to going to a game and standing back and watching it and and uh, not being involved um but I've also I also feel that it's it feels like the right time do you know that that it just feel, it feels like that for for both of us I think really Declan, let's go right back to the start. You you played with Dreamer Rangers as, as a player as well. You won a couple of, I think it was four Premier Division titles. But where did this co-management team start? How did it start? Whose idea was it? Because like Dan said there, you were going for, for over 20 years. But where did it, the whole, where did it all originate first day? Uh, well, I suppose uh, it, it, it grew and developed rather than an idea from first day. Uh, Dan was involved before I started coaching or started managing with him because I was still playing when when Don was became the manager, um, and I was coaching under eighteen teams myself for a few years before that. And one person in charge is not enough. You have to have two people there. There's there's too much involved in the whole process for it to work. Otherwise, um, it was hard enough for two of us to keep going on. But if there was one going. That wouldn't last. Like, and it wouldn't be practical or good for a club or good for the environment of the team or anything. Like, it didn't make any, it wouldn't make any sense because there's, uh, I suppose, we worked it between us in that we have different strengths and which we use our strengths to, for the benefit of the team or whatever, or the benefit of the club as such. Um, and it developed over the years rather than being a bright spark of an idea. All of a sudden, oh yes, Declan Dees and Don Harley will do that and they'll make a success of it. It just at the time, I suppose, I was ready to put my lot in as regards coaching because I was interested in it at the time from the underage as well. And there was young lads coming through from those underage teams that I managed that I saw were the future of the club. So, as I say, no no light bulb moment, but it just uh, developed from from there, really. Don, how many years have you been in charge so of the Dreamer Rangers team? If you were if you had, had the reins before Declan came on board as well? I suppose 24 and Declan would be 22, I think is probably what we worked it out as. It's hard to work them out backwards, but uh, that far back. But I think uh, it was probably September, I think, 98, I think, or that kind of way. So, uh, And then Declan came in two years later when he when he finished up playing. I was with other people for a year or two, um, and then uh, Declan took it over. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a long time. That's incredible longevity, Don. And just to pick up on that as well, how did you keep it going for for those twenty two years together? What's what was the secret to, to your success? Because I presume 
there are times over the years where did you put heads if you decisions over players or or different tactics and so on like how did you keep this relationship working for so long um i'd say patient wives anyway first of all um would definitely be a part of it um and uh well in fairness i suppose we work very well together in many ways. I don't think we ever fell out anyway. And, and that kind of thing, Declan is very patient as well, which he'd be the, he'd be the camera influence on, of the two of us. And um, yeah, it was very difficult at times. I mean, there's people, I suppose, all over the place who uh, have been left out for different games. And, um, you know, and that, that was difficult at times. But you look, you, you, you have to make a decision. You can only have 11 people on the pitch at, at any one time. And... That was part of it. And people, I suppose, there's different times where people were left out of cup finals or league deciders and had put a huge amount of commitment in. And again, you feel very difficult. You feel bad for the player and, and our players involved at the time. But sure, I mean, the responsibility as as the manager, obviously, is developing players. And and that, but I suppose, part of your responsibility is to try to, to win the competition that you're entered in. And you just have to do your best with that. In last week's Southern Star, Declan, we tried to recount not all of the trophies he won as the management team, but some of them. And it's it's an incredible list, like 11 Premier Division titles, four Beamish Cups, Park Bay Cups and their Premier Division Cups, Michal Cronin Cups and and so on. So an, a nice, easy question, Declan. What, what, what stands out for you? What's what's the highlight from the past 22 years? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. All right. There's been many highlights. I think you're... you're... Your last competition, your win, really is is the highlight at the time. Um, if you go back over the years, it's it's there's a few standout moments, I suppose. All right, um, going to three and around six and seven, I think Dan is better than the years than I am now. But uh, we did three and around before, and we did the double in two thousand and seven, I think, when we won the Beamish Cup and the league. That was a big year for us. Um, two thousand and eighteen, then we won all five trophies. I personally think that squad that we had that year, everything came together that year, and that squad that we had that year was the best, not in the, exactly the best team, but the best squad was definitely that year. We had the best squad we ever had in that. We had a cup final. After two minutes, we had our two central midfielders injured off, and we were able to bring on two players who were possibly as good as, if not better than them, that came on the field on that day. Like So that definitely, for me, was one of the highlights. I suppose making a Munster Junior Cup semi-final, in 2006, that was massive. That was huge at the time. Like no one, no club from West Cork went that far before. And um, Munster, the, the Munster Junior Cup is always a, a kind of a benchmark to see where you really are against the really good teams. And and we matched most of them that year. Like so, for me, that was one of the outstanding things. I suppose the success of our underage club as well as a club. Not that we win everything on, and we don't. We're a small, small club as such. So we, we have good teams now and again, but our structures are good. So that'll be something we'll be look back on Sunday and have a good good uh, uh, time. The same question to you, Dan. What are the, the stand-up moments for you the last 24 years? Um, There's a lot of them. I, I suppose uh, winning the league for the first time in all three, uh, we went down to Bonratti, who had a fabulous time team at the time and they had won it the previous year in the last game of the season in Drina and we went down and we needed a draw and we were 2-0 down at half time and we got two goals in the second half in fact Eamon Conley scored 
the win or the equaliser with about I think it was very close to injury time, and then there was about eight or nine minutes of injury time played. So that that one stands out very much because that was the first, the first league. Um, I I think, um, we won a, a Beamish Cup and Turner's Cross as well, which was outstanding. I think that was a, a not even sure the year twenty seventeen. I think against Bay Rovers and the fact that to go up there and to win a Beamish Cup and Turner's Cross. There's been loads of them. Um, there's been loads of them this year's league. I mean, we were delighted to finish out by winning uh, a three in a row um, because the this year's league was, uh, I don't know, in, in, in all the years, the quality of some of the teams in this year's league was really, really high. You know, Manway and Bunratty and Clannacilty and those. And there, I suppose that's what you remember, the most recent one. But um, I don't know, sometimes you remember the ones that we didn't win. But anyway, that happens too. I have to ask you too, Don. You were you were manager there of the team before Declan came on board, and he he was still a player. So, what was Declan like as a player to manage? Uh, Declan was very easy to manage as a player because um, uh, he was the, he was uh, he was always on the ball, turned up every day, and sure, Declan had won everything so many times. By the time I got involved, you weren't I wasn't telling Declan to do anything really, um, but uh, Declan had been playing from the first day the club had played. Um, so that was fabulous, uh, and it was great to get him involved because he knew everything, and he knew, uh, he knew an awful lot, um, about West Cork and things like that, and the league and that kind of thing. When he when he became involved, he knew everything, and that helped that helped me as well. Um, and uh, yeah, because I suppose I hadn't, I was only asked to get involved when I came when I moved back to Dream at that time, and and I was fairly green and fairly raw at it, but the, the team was good and the team was developing and they won, they, they when I started, they were in the second division and then they got back into the Premier Division two years in a row and um that kind of, it was a developing team, young players and a mixture of older fellas and things like that. Um, It seems so long ago now, like, but uh, yeah, um, I suppose it, it, we've always had um, a good club in terms of not just Declan and myself, we've always had the support of, of People locally and um, ex and then, I mean, I suppose we we had two two bands of players, if you like. Um, there's no bit of that as well, but there's a new band coming now. But we had we had a really strong um band players in kind of all three when we won a three in a row, and then again we had a huge, a great band of players in the last few years. Um, and I think that came they they came from one or two under under 12 teams up to under 18 teams and um it just kept us going in that in that time and i suppose they interlinked between the two of them those bands of players and obviously there was players came at different times as well but um we were lucky in that and that we had two i suppose two if not three really strong groups in the length of time that we were there you know and, and Don has mentioned it as well in this conversation that you're handing over the reins of of the team as Premier Division champions. So the team is in such good health. But Dreen have been uber consistent over the, the last couple of decades. We've just touched on some of the trophies that the club has won and that the senior team has won. What do you put that success down to? Like it's, it, it seems very much a team effort that everyone is, is in this together. But how have Dreen have been so consistent in the West Cork League over the last decade, two decades? Um, they say we have a lot of commitment given myself and Don but I think the players have given me more because the players the groups of players that we have had and have, have at the moment have their consistency 
of showing up. That's the first thing, show up to the game. They're there every Sunday. There's there's some players in the team that have been playing now with 13 or 14 years. They haven't missed a game. And that's literally challenge game or anything. They haven't missed a game through injury or through any any social event in that time. Um, when you're dealing with that kind of commitment, it is very easy to look after a team in the sense that if they're showing up, you know your team, you can pick them. You can pick your team nearly every Sunday because you know they're there. You're not wondering if they're going to show up on a Sunday morning. You know they're going to be there. And if they're not going to be there, they're going to tell you and they're not going to leave in the lurch. So that that is probably the biggest, from my point of view, that's probably the biggest part of the success is because of their commitment. They mind themselves on a Saturday night. Now, fellas, I suppose when I started playing, the going out nights were Friday night and Sunday night, but um, it changed over the years and it was Saturday night. And me personally, I never drank my life, but for fellas that do like to drink and do like to have a bit of a social life, it's a big commitment to stay inside on a Saturday night or even if they go that they have to mind themselves and be right for Sunday. Like, that's not easy when everyone else is having a good time because, like, with we'd say all the GA in the summer, people are very committed to that and you take their hat, your hat off to them, like, but in the middle of winter, then when everyone else is having a good time, they're, they're, they have to mind themselves. I became Sunday morning and it's 11 o'clock Western Golina or it's 12 o'clock Western Beira, so, and they're driving down from Cork, so if they're coming down from Cork, it's another hour to go to the, from Drina to somewhere else, like, so, the biggest part of that success, and it is down to the players at the end of the day, we can organise them, we can tell them what to do in a sense, and we can put them out in the field, but they have to do it at the end of the day. Like So it isn't all about us, it is really about the players at the end of the day, because it's their achievements, not ours, I, I, we have handed it, but it's down. the players will be remembered for the goals they scored, or the tackles they made, or the saves they made, so it's really, in my opinion anyway, it is down to the players. You, you mentioned the players, and this is a question open to both of you, and I don't want to single out one player over the other, but you've managed some really top-class players over the over the years, and straight away in my head, Barry O'Driscoll Hawthorne jumps out like that man has already 30 goals a season average for the last however many seasons since since he since he came on board, like incredible consistency and goal scoring, but for you, who are some of those players that, that you might think, Jesus, they could even have got on to even more, you know? You're going to get us in trouble here, Kieran, because we leave out someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I suppose Barry Hart, Barry Hart is, is outstanding, absolutely, and the number of goals he's got is is, is fantastic. Um, I suppose we were lucky in, in previous to that we had Michael Doolan and Derek Hanley, who would have scored a, a tremendous amount of goals as well, and um, we're lucky that we had, we had forwards. I suppose always that, that the biggest thing in any game in any football game. Is someone to put the ball in the net, and we, we were lucky in that in that in those terms. Um, it's very hard to to mention players. I mean, we've had we've had some brilliant club members, committed players. Um, you know, JJ Collins, JJ Hurley, Barry O'Driscoll, um, Gavin Daly, going back a long way. Uh, Michael Hurley. I'm trying to. Uh, there's so many of them there. It's absolutely impossible to to uh to mention them all. But I mean, it's it's uh, it's a local thing and. Um, it's kind of there's been an awful lot of people in the parish or in close to the parish who've given who gave huge amounts of commitment over the years um, to playing for Drina and um, to making our life easier. Um, and um, I'm kind of I'm already going to my head that I've forgotten loads of names there and that. So 
Declan might maybe come up with a few more or something like that. But it's it's not about names, really. It's not about individuals. It was it was always about putting a team together, putting a team out, and um, working as a team over a season or a number of seasons in order to to do our best and 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 that was part of the act that was that like I don't think anybody anybody comes on the the soccer pitch in general or if anybody comes on the soccer pitch playing for Drina playing for themselves then that's, there's no point in that you're playing for the other 10 guys on the pitch and whoever's watching in the subs and everything like that that's who you're playing for really you know you're not just playing for yourself and I think that's something that we would uh we would have had in Drina over over all the years too. Oh, no, good stuff. I don't want to bring it back to you again, Declan. Just a like year, probably two men best place, just to assess the, the health of the West Cork League right now. Where do you think the, the league is heading into the, the, the new season in, in a couple of months? Um, well, going on the strength of last year's division, it's in a very healthy state because the standard was quite high. Um, the, the quality of the teams that we had to face this year, even the teams that were relegated, uh, we had to win, win, and when I say win, we had to earn the, earn the win in every game. We didn't get it handed to us. There'd be often years there in the past where there'd be one or two teams who would be extremely weak or whatever, and to be a gimme of a game or whatever. But this year, um, and it, it was it went right up to the end of the season because teams were fighting for relegation and everything. Every team was highly competitive, and you had to earn the right to win that game. Um, so. From that point of view, as regards players, and I think the quality player has always been there. There is good quality in West Cork. Um, it's uh, a lot of it is down to if if you can get your players out. That's the thing. You're competitive and can be competitive against anyone. Uh, even the, the teams up from Cork City and things like that, in Muscle Junior Cups and things like that. So, um, as regards facilities, that's developing as well. Like Skibreen, Lawyer, ourselves. Uh, are starting to develop even Solan, Bayer and they are coming back into it and they are trying and getting themselves organised developing and trying to develop grounds and, and facilities facilities is a huge thing like it, the days of tugging off on the side of the road are gone really you cannot in a modern day setting be doing that anymore you must strive to put something in place where things will improve because if you okay, if you build it they will come someone says all the time like and it is true, like if you have facilities and you have uh, the setup ready there, it, it, it attracts people. And if you run it right and do it right in the meantime, then uh, you will attract uh, more people. And more people you attract, it builds your club. So people get interested in they start putting a bit of work back into it. So I think it's in a good position, but there's there's still a lot of work to be done. Like there's, there's loads of work. There's never enough work done from, these point of, from that point of view. But... Um, Look, the future is bright, I think, to be honest. I'm going to broaden out the conversation a small bit, Don, because you were involved in the, the, the West Cork Academy team that did so well at the Kennedy Cup and finished toward an incredible achievement, best ever for our league. And we've a we've a big piece in the Southern Star this Thursday where Joe McCarthy spoke to DJ Curtin and he touched on what Declan said there was in what West Cork achieved in the Kennedy Cup without a place to call home as such, without those facilities, without West Cork's own AstroTurf pitch, for example. Like, it's incredible what West Cork did at the Kennedy Cup. So imagine what we could do here if we had those facilities. Is that something, given the success underage and given how well the West Cork League is now, is, is that a big thing now to get those facilities and, and just so that next generation coming up, that they can make use of those and, and just drive this forward for the next couple of decades? 
Yeah, it's an abs- I think it's an absolute priority for West Cork League, West Cork School Boys, School Girls League, and the Academy as well. We need, we, we absolutely need a, a proper Astro, at least one, probably two or three really in West Cork. And I think it's, it's something that uh, both the, um, as I say, both organizations would have t- spoken to the FAI about and quite a bit. It's something that it's, it's a huge priority. Um, we're fighting against, we're, we're competing against leagues, um, be it or further afield who have fantastic facilities. I mean, we spent four days above and our five days above in UL and you look at all the facilities that they have up there for, for the Kennedy Cup and it's just fantastic. And we go we go away in, in both Indiga and um, even Drina with Munster Junior Cup games and things like that. And you're going away to other teams um, over the years and the facilities, the AstroTurf facilities they have and the all-weather pitches they have. It's something that uh, will come, but it's something that um, needs to be pushed absolutely. And um, I suppose... Hopefully, hopefully it isn't too far away because going forward, the winters are getting wetter and um, in order to develop players, you need to develop them on good pitches. And um, we're lucky um, this year, with we were very lucky with the squad in the Kennedy Cup. They were outstanding and they produced a fantastic week's entertainment for people at home watching them. And, and uh, for those of us up there, they, they, they were outstanding and it was a brilliant experience. Um, and... That's something we should be aiming for. It won't happen every year, but it's something that the West Cork League, um, as a West Cork School Boys League and, and the Academy and all that, as a small league to, to keep developing and keep pushing on over as time as time passes, you know. Before I let you go, and you've been so good with, with your time, you've been involved for so long. So come to start to the new season, Declan. Will you be getting those pens to get back in the sideline? What are you gonna do with all with all your spare time now when you're not involved with the, the Dream Avengers senior team? Have you any Netflix series that you're going to sit down and watch or where do we see you appear next? Uh, Netflix is great, no doubt about it. <laughs> um uh, no, the, the, the beauty of it will be to go to a game and just stand back and enjoy a game. Um when you're managing a game, you're not entirely enjoying it. Yes, you're enjoying the experience, but uh, it isn't enjoyable unless you win. And we've been lucky that we've won a good few things over the years. That has made it easier. Um, I suppose I'll find time to do things. There will be more time on Sundays, definitely. But I'll be going to games to look at them just from the point of view of supporting the team or whatever and standing back and not making decisions and letting others do it. Um, as well as that, I'm chairman of the West Cork School by School Girls League, so I'd like to be able to devote a bit more time to that as well and push that on some more because I think we're making progress and hopefully continue to make progress. And I'm still involved in the club as secretary and things like that, so I won't be going anywhere as such, but I still have enough to do. And to, to you, Don, what, how are you going to fill your spare time? Because I know that you've had incredible success with, with Trina, but when, um, when you're Stepping back was announced on Twitter. Clannock Kilty Soccer Club's tweet caught my eye. Thank God, enjoy your retirement. So I think some of the West Cork League clubs are probably glad to see the back of you because they might think this is their opportunity now to to win a couple of titles. Um. So what's your what's your thoughts? Looking forward to a season where you're not in charge. Um. There's lots of competition. In fairness to Mosia yeah, on that. Um. And um. I I don't think Trina will be going away anywhere. Just. Because Declan and myself aren't involved, I think Trina will be very competitive, and uh, there's a lot of 
a lot of very good young talent in Trina, as there is in other clubs. And um, I don't think they'll be they will be falling back at all just because the two of us are, aren't involved directly. Sure, I'm, like as Declan is, I'm chairman of the club, and I'm also um, vice chairman of the West Cork Junior League. So I'm involved in in soccer in in West Cork completely as well, and I'm I, I'm going to be probably still involved with that um, that Kennedy Cup squad going forward as well. So. Uh, lots of things to keep me going. Um, I suppose the the one thing that uh, the one thing I am looking forward to is probably not walking out, have, getting up early on a Sunday morning to have to walk a, a pitch to see whether it's playable or not after a night's rain or something like that. That's that is probably the one thing I, I am looking forward to. But um, no, still uh, involved. It's just I think uh, a, a time for somebody else to take up the reins and a a time to do something different. You know. I know, fantastic. You've been so kind with your time and congratulations on incredible success with Drina over the years. And like you said, you're not going anywhere, which is good news for the West Cork League and the West Cork School Boys and School Girls Leagues as well. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Okay, welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast once again. And Kieran, it's that time of the week where we take a quick look at what's coming up in this week's Star Sport. This is, I say it every week, Dylan, I'm almost a broken record, but this week is a really good week. So we've loads of quality reading in there for our readers. Just want to point people towards uh, a piece I have on Brian O'Driscoll. It's, uh, he was man of the match in many people's eyes against Ross Common last, uh, last weekend, and he was nominated for the GA Footballer of the Week. So it's just a background story to what Brian did when he was exiled from the Cork football panel for the last four years, and how he kept himself in shape while he was waiting for the call to come back in. That call might never have come. It might never have come at all, um, but he never hid his ambition during his time outside the panel that he wanted to get back in by his own admission before. And on this podcast, he said it back in November 2021 that he made mistakes the last time he was in McCork. He was young. He has regrets. It didn't work out for whatever reason, but he's 29 years of age now. He's at a different stage of his life. And I think people will find this this read very interesting. It's just, it fills in some of the, I suppose, fills in some of the blanks about what Brian was doing in those years outside of Cork, the Cork football setup, because he was the forgotten man in many senses, had the talent, maybe the application wasn't there, but now it is. And what we're seeing is a fantastic footballer who is flying for Cork. So I'd really recommend that. But we have loads more besides um, going to road bowling for a second. There was a lot of county finals and Munster finals last weekend and a lot of local winners too. Uh, just a shout out to Emma Hurley, who won the under 16 girls final um, Emma's from Trina and she's the, the, the same young sports person who was the first girl to play with the West Cork School Boys team in the Kennedy Cup a couple of weeks ago. So what an incredible couple of weeks for, for Emma Hurley and that's in Thursday's Southern Star. So we've backed Walt Wall G as well. Um, we've something something for everyone. We've boxing. Con Desmond won a, won a big competition up in Dublin the weekend. We've motorsport. Martin Walsh is a very interesting story on the Fastnet Rally and how entries could be affected by another rally that's going to run a couple of weeks beforehand. Jack Crowley brought the URC trophy to a local national school with that story. Talking about trophies, Sean Daly from Randalogue brought the two All-Ireland Under-20 Cups and the Munster Cup to Ballina Carragher. 
or a homecoming of sorts as well. So we've loads and loads in there. So including previews of the Cork Ladies football game, the Cork Camogie game, the Cork footballers, you name it this week, Dylan, we have it. So as I always say, don't be the one to miss out. Absolutely not. All that will be available in shops across West Cork from Thursday morning. And as always, if you're further afield, you can make it to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star and get the Southern Star on your laptop, tablet or phone. So just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie, enter your details and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week. And Kieran, good news. If any of our listeners want to sign up before Friday, we're doing a flash sale. So you can sign up before Friday, but that's midnight on Friday. I'll uh, have the code flashing up on screen now for anyone watching on YouTube. If you're listening on, on the podcast on online, head into the description. You use that code and you can get your first month for just one euro. So it's a great time to sign up, especially with all the sport happening at the moment. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours. And we'll be back again next week.